Paige Scott here with Entourage Ministries. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Entourage Ministries is a, a women's ministry that gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811. We are multi-denominational and multi-generational. And um, at the core, our aim is to encourage the host of women that are proclaiming the good news uh, available through Jesus Christ. Some of those items of good of of the good news being uh, rest in Him, inheritance through Him, uh, victory uh, through Him, and in all kinds of promise available to us through Him. And so um, this is not new information. If you come to Entourage Monthly Gatherings or you've read some blog content, this podcast is a recap of some of those thoughts that have already been explained. But we want to steward well whatever uh, the Lord has birthed into our hearts to encourage others. And so so we want to make it available in all formats, whether it's it's live at a monthly gathering, which happened the, the first Tuesdays of the month in Duran, Oklahoma, um, or on the blog, or, or in this newer format on podcast. And so I'm going to be in the book of Exodus, and I like to teach from a place that welcomes everybody in, regardless of how much or how little Bible knowledge you have or do not have. And so just to kind of put a, a pin on the map of, of, of where we are uh, in Exodus and what's going on in terms of a a larger view of of the Bible. You'll remember Adam and Eve were in the garden. Um, Fiasco happened there. Sin entered the world. Uh, Then we had a little situation where the world got super evil, and there was uh, Noah, but he found favor and grace in the Lord. We'll do a whole podcast on on grace shortly. Um, And then after Noah and his family settled, God um, God chose a man named Abraham and his wife Sarah uh, to birth a nation that were going to be God's chosen people. This nation ultimately um, would be and is the nation of of Israel, um, and and that's pretty much what the the entire Old Testament is about. It is about God choosing this nation to make them His own, to be in covenant with them. And throughout different books of the Old Testament, they kind of walk away from it, come back to it. And then in the New Testament, we get Jesus, where we're all invited into a new covenant, and we're all invited to be God's chosen people, regardless of um, if if we are a certain ethnicity or live in a certain place. So, after Abraham and Sarah have their son and uh, this uh, lineage begins to play out, uh, these people go up during a famine to the land of Egypt. And during that famine, they continue to grow so abundantly in number and provision that um, eventually hostility occurs. And um, they go from from being known that that they're God's chosen people uh, to to being slaves for the nation of Egypt. And that happens over a long period of time. And so God raises up Moses. Think of the Ten Commandments movie, Charlton Heston, like with his his staff. That's kind of the character that is the character of Moses. Moses is who God picked to lead his people out of slavery and into this land of promise, the promised land um, you may have heard it referred to as, as Canaan or Jericho. There are a lot of different uh, different ways that that people and that the word talks about areas of the promised land. So uh, today, what we're talking about is is specifically the period of time where they are 
leaving slavery. God's chosen people are leaving slavery, and they're moving into this land of promise, and they're at the very onset of their journey out of slavery. And so uh, they've been there for hundreds of years. It is it is their slavery is their their not only their lifestyle, but it is it is their mindset. And so Moses, his brother Aaron, uh, I'm sure some others that were were faithful hearers and doers of 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 the word, uh, they go to the nation of Israel and and they they relay this promise that God is saying. I want to continue this covenant with you that, um, you know, I was the God to your father Abraham. I want to be the God to you, and I want to continue in this relationship. I want to deliver you from slavery, bring you into promise, and 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 God begins to restore hope in this nation as they're miraculously brought out of horrible circumstances of literal and actual uh, bondage and slavery. And so one of the things that it says in, in, in the whole book of Exodus is about this. Today, we're really just in, in Exodus um, 12, 13, 14 for the most part. Um, but God took care entirely of, of the mission of getting them out of Egypt. I just think it's important to say that because sometimes we start to think that it is our goodness or um, our intelligence, which is really funny, or our lack thereof that um, that plays role in God doing what only He can do. Um, this nation did not deliver themselves from slavery. God miraculously delivered them from slavery through signs and wonders and through changing Pharaoh's heart for a moment in time so that they could move from bondage into promise. Something that I love about the Word of God is I'm telling this story. I want you to see your life in it. We've all moved from a, a place of bondage and slavery into promise, into rest. And we do that not because of ourselves or our works, lest we should boast. Jesus Christ does the full work in our lives. So all is well. All sounds great. They've got a miracle working God, changing their life, changing their circumstances. He tells Moses, and Moses gives the instructions. You're going to line up all of these people, uh, this nation, as tribal armies, and I want them to march out of Egypt. And so think about that. They've been wearing um, shackles and been, uh, been under the yoke of just brutal taskmasters, but now they're getting to march out confidently, feeling chosen, feeling seen by God. I imagine feeling invincible. God also gives them a directive and says, go and and plunder and take back the treasures uh, from the Egyptian household. So it was likely some type of policy that that whenever they would have something of value, Egyptians would go and take that from them. I don't know if anyone else has ever felt that way, that has lived in bondage or slavery, uh, but that is often how the enemy works. He loves to go and, and try and take the good things uh, which God has given to you. So, so they've got this directive. I'm going to take you from slavery into promise. I want you to march out confidently like an army, and I want you to wear the silver, the gold, the jewels um, um, that are plunder from the Egyptians. So all is all is great. They've left Egypt. Uh, they're, they're on their journey. The Word even says that God 
took them a certain way so that they would not uh, go through a particular land where there was uh, where there were mighty warriors and, and lose heart and want to run back to slavery. And I love how God knows the shortcomings of our character, and He meets us in that place anyway. He knew if He took these people along a certain path, they were going to get scared, and they were going to run back to slavery. So He, he takes measures to take them an entirely different way toward this land of promise, freedom, abundance, provision. And so they're moving along. Everything is great. And it says that the Lord uh, became a pillar of of cloud um, by day and by night. I'm going to skip to that and read it straight from the Word. Uh, I always want to be in the Word um, and not adding too much opinion in because the Word is what is going to change people's lives. So in Exodus chapter 13, if you have a Bible app, you can check it out there. Or if you actually have a physical Bible um, and you're not familiar with where that is, you can look at the contents in the front or you can uh, start at the very beginning in, in Genesis and just flip forward a little bit, and you are going to end up in Exodus. So in Exodus 13, verse 17, the, the caption reads, God leads the people. And in verse 21, it says, the presence of the Lord was going before them by day in a pillar or column of cloud to lead them along the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they could travel by day and by night. Very important. Verse 22, he, God, did not withdraw the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from going before the people. So God has given them a promise. He said, I want to bring you into promised land. I want to make a cov- continue a covenant with you. Um, I want to uh, be like a father to you. And, um, and not only is he going to do those things, he is going to stay um, in this form within their eyesight so that they can continue on the path forward that he is taking them in toward promise. So that's awesome. I, lo- I love that. And uh, this is where things get interesting. Interesting. Chapter 14, verse 8. says, The Lord had hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and, um, and he pursued the Israelites as they were leaving confidently and defiantly. So I said they marched out in tribal armies wearing plunder. They were confident and defiant. It says it right, right there. Then the Egyptians chased them with all their horses and war chariots and the entire army. It says in verse 10, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and saw the Egyptians marching after them, and they were very frightened and cried out to the Lord. And so not only did they see them, if there's an army marching in their horses and chariots, I can only imagine uh, the sounds that would would come forth from that. So we're just going to so not only did they see them, but they, they heard, heard them. Verse 11, Then they said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What is this that you have done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Did we not say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians as slaves than to die in the wilderness. So right there, I just want to pause and say nothing changed about God's promise for them. Nothing changed about 
God leading them in their journey. It says he did not, that his presence did not abandon them by day or by night as they were moving forward. But when they started seeing adversity and they started hearing adversity from the enemy, they changed. Their heart changed. They had an attitude change. They went from acting like confident, defiant, chosen victors to acting like slaves again, going straight to a mentality of death, thinking we've not been brought out here uh, for this glorious and abundant life for that we're moving toward in the promised land. We've actually been brought out here to die. And I don't know about, about you all, but I think it's probably safe to say as believers, we all get into a place like that. We kind of go from, from one extreme to another. And you see that with David, um, one of the um, authors of, of the Psalms, that he goes from these great places of, of victory to, to low places of despair. And just like just like um, the Israelites in Exodus, I love that God's presence, um, God's presence never leaves us. That is a promise to to every believer that's in Christ Jesus. And so I uh, I shared a story on, on the blog that I wrote um, along the same lines of what I'm sharing with you. There was a, a baby named, uh, his name is Urias. He is healthy, alive, and well. And uh, baby Urias would be my sister-in-law's a nephew, and so um, not not a blood relative, but kind of an extended family through marriage. And um, he's the son of of two pastors and and grandson of of um, highly respected ministers. And when baby Urias was born, totally unexpectedly, he was born uh, deceased. It was an emergency C section situation where there had been issues with with vitals that were detected. And when he bo- was born, he was deceased. And so for 20 minutes, um, they, the medical staff fought to resuscitate him, to bring him back to life, which is above and beyond the norm. You could probably Google about baby Urias and find his amazing story because it's going around on news outlets now. And so um, his family serves at a church called Victory Life, which is in my community of Durant. And, and that church kind of got together and led this prayer effort that was then joined in by other churches in Durant and, and nationally, and I'm sure internationally as well, where we just began to pray for baby Urias. We prayed um, as they they brought him, you know, to being able to to breathe and, and be in stability in that way on machines and care flighted him out to a hospital. Um, community just gathered and began to pray God's provision. And so it was unlike anything I've ever been a part of prayer-wise, just to see the number of people praying the Word of God over this child. And so because he had been deceased for 20 minutes, there were a lot of, uh, there were a lot of things, that, obstacles that, that they weren't obstacles to God, they were obstacles to man, uh, that he was going to have to be brought through from potential damage that had been done. So um, there was a period of time where they had had uh, cooled his body to, uh, to, to mitigate any damage that had been done. And then following that, there were just days of tests that medical staff began to do to assess uh, his livelihood and his well-being. And so test after test, it was like, um, you described the Israelites as confident and defiant. I think that's how everyone felt who was praying for this baby, like 
we felt confident that the Lord uh, was bringing us fully into promise or, or bringing that child fully into promise and those who were who were praying in that effort and, um, and felt defiant toward the enemy. Like, how dare you, enemy, think that you could come in and, and try and harm this precious child and this family and their ministry. And so, like, uh, report after report, it was just like, mic drop, God, good job, good job. And then there was a report that didn't come back awesome. And 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 it kind of reminded me of this story. It's like you're on this journey, uh, the baby is, is living, and there's these awesome reports, and then boom, this enemy shows back up in your line of sight that you thought you were finished dealing with, and you have a choice. Am I going to move forward? Um believing in my heart that I am chosen, that there is promise before me, that God's presence is among me? Or am I going to choose to put back on a yoke of slavery and fear and turn around and put my mind on things of death instead of things of life? And so um, this passage inspired me during that time about how 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 I should be praying and how I should move forward. And really through this passage, we learn a couple of things that inform us no matter no matter where we are in life or in our faith journey. The first thing is that we cannot choose what we see. Um, they, the Israelites, obviously didn't beg for Pharaoh to send his chariots and his war horses and his army to come chase them up against what what's a sea? We're going to read about the sea in just a second. Uh, So we can't choose what we see, but we can choose what we fix our eyes on and your ability to remember that you're in God's um, presence um, to inform your heart of that. That's going to that's going to come down to what you fix your eyes on. Your eyes are going to inform your heart, and your heart's going to to inform your feet. So before your feet move in one direction or the other, your heart is going to make a decision about that, and your heart is stewarded well by keeping your eyes on the presence of the Lord. Um, you know, Something that I think I can think sometimes is that, oh, if I'm living right and I'm walking right, then then I'm not going to experience the enemy in my path. And that's just totally a lie. That doesn't even make sense biblically. But I can can be in a place that I think that, like, what have I done uh, that the enemy's in my path? I've been doing things right, Lord. And um, what I fail to remember is that even if the enemy shows up, that doesn't change who God is, what He said, or His presence as my front guard and as my rear guard when I am on the enemy lines of life. And so, so again, just to recap that, you can't choose what you see, but you can choose what you fix your eyes on. Um, second thing, you can't choose what you hear, but you can choose what you'll listen to. As I said before, if an army was coming at them that was like uh, the size described uh, in that chapter, in Exodus, there's no doubt that there were war cries being screamed from the Egyptians, um, that there were probably cries coming from the children of the Israelites and the women, and probably definitely the men, based on what I know about some of them from reading the Word of God. Um, But in that moment, just because the enemy was loud, that didn't change the truth of the promise of God that had been given to them as a nation. So in those moments of warfare, you can't choose what you hear, but you can choose what you listen to. And so to move forward and to move forward into uh, the John 10, 10 abundant life that comes in relationship with Jesus and the promises that are a part of that, you have to fix your eyes on Jesus. You, you have to fix your eyes on the presence of God, um, and you have to choose to listen 
to what His promises are for you. And you're not going to know what His promises are for you if you're not reading the Word, if you're not in fellowship with others who are proponents of the truth of God's Word. Uh, Because, man, the enemy is always going to be so happy to give you plenty of things to distract your, your line of sight. In your line of hearing, but just because the enemy is visible and loud, that doesn't change God's presence leading you, and it doesn't change God's promises for you. So uh, continuing on in chapter 14, verse 13, it says, Then Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Take your stand and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will accomplish for you today. For those Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you while you only need to keep silent and remain calm. We so think it's the other other way sometimes. Again, that our actions are are producing uh, some level of goodness from the Lord. The Lord is good, um, not because of us, in, in spite of us, and, and thank God for that. As for you, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea. This is the Lord talking to Moses and divide it so that the sons of Israel may go through the middle of the sea on dry land. As for me, hear this. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will go in after them and I will be glorified and honored through Pharaoh and all his army and his war chariots and his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know without any doubt and acknowledge that I am the Lord when I am glorified and honored through Pharaoh, through his war chariots and his charioteers. Then the angel of the Lord who had been going in front of the camp of Israel moved out and went behind them. The pillar of the cloud moved from in front and stood behind them and it came between the camp of Egypt and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud along with darkness, but it gave light by night so that the army of the Egyptians did not come near the others of the Israelites all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord swept the sea back by a strong east wind all that night and turned the seabed into dry land and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the middle of the sea on dry land and the waters formed a wall to them on their left and on their right. And then, just as the Lord said, the Egyptians pursued them into the middle of the sea, even all of their Pharaoh's chariots, his war chariots, and his charioteers. And it happened at the early morning watch that the Lord looked down on the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and put them into a state of confusion. He made their chariot wheels hard to turn and the chariots difficult to drive so that the Egyptians said, let us flee from Israel for the Lord is fighting for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may come back over the Egyptians on their war chariots and their charioteers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal flow at sunrise and the Egyptians retreated right into it, being met by the returning water. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians and tossed them into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the charioteers and the army of Pharaoh that had gone into the sea after them, but not one of them had survived. But the Israelites walked on dry land in the middle of the sea, and the waters formed a wall of them on their right and on their left. And the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians perishing on the seashore. When Israel saw the great power which the Lord had used against the Egyptians, they feared the Lord with reverence and all filled respect, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. 
I absolutely love that. In the next chapter, they begin to sing a song. Isn't that crazy how we can go from grumbling against God to singing out singing out a song? And, uh, and Mary, Moses' sister, sings out in verse 21, Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously, and He is highly exalted. The horse and its rider He has hurled into the sea. I would encourage someone, if you need that, to memorize that today. Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously, and He is highly exalted. The horse and its rider He has hurled into the sea. So like our enemies are probably not horses and riders, unless you're a four-year-old little boy playing with toys in the floor. Uh, But horse and and its rider. That could look like a lot of different things in our life today, but it doesn't matter what it looks like. God can hurl those things into the sea because He is bigger. He is greater. um, He is a mighty and victorious God. Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously and has highly exalted the horse and its rider. He is thrown into the sea. And I'll just conclude this podcast with sharing a verse from uh, the book of Judges, chapter 5, verse 21. Uh, There was a, a judge Named, named Deborah, and after she and and uh, another man that she had gone uh, to war alongside had experienced victory from the Lord, um, they said these simple words, which are just awe-inspiring, and those words are, March on my soul in strength. March on my soul in strength. Last night, I was trying to describe to Foster, my five-year-old, what a soul was. And I touched her arm and said, this is your body. And you know, on your inside of, of your body is your heart and, and, uh, and, and things that you can't say but that exist. And at the core of that, that's your soul. And sometimes it's our soul that needs to be informed about how we march forward in strength. And Isaiah chapter 40 Verse 31 says that our strength is renewed by trusting in the Lord. So if you're having a hard time trusting in the Lord today, fix your eyes on His presence and listen to His promises. And in that, as the sound and the sight of the enemy is drowned out, the Lord will work on your behalf. I pray that's true for you today and and for me as well. Um, As always, I'm going to close out this podcast with prayer. You can uh, you can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes platform. It is just called Entourage. You can visit entourageministries.com uh, to find out about events um, that we're doing. We're excited to have an Advent devotional coming up here in 2018 in just uh, a week or two. Uh, super excited about that. So uh, join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for the woman uh, listening to this right now that um, that you would remind her of your presence in her life, that it is always ahead of her and behind her as a front guard and a rear guard described in the book of Isaiah. I pray that you would bring to remembrance the promises in her life. If she doesn't know the promises that you have for her, I pray that you would make her fall in love with your word so that she could see those and grasp those and that they could inform her soul in such a way that she can march on in your strength. I pray, God, uh, that uh, for those dealing with the adversity of the enemy, that the horse and the rider you would hurl into the sea, and we would all just sing as a great host about what an awesome, awesome and mighty God you are. We thank you. We honor you. Uh, May these words that have gone out not return void, but accomplish the purposes for which you have sent them, Father. Amen.